Good morning, beloveds. May I speak to you in the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sanctifier. I'm so happy to be here this morning. <laughs> I missed you guys. <clears throat> I want to start with two brief stories. Several years ago, on a Sunday morning, I found myself driving solo across a very large swath of the state of Kansas. One of the most striking memories of that drive was my complete desperation as I flipped the channels on the radio searching for anything decent to listen to. Anyone from that part of the country knows what Sunday morning radio is there? It's church and church and church and more church. <laughs> Most of it, the kind that I really didn't want anything to do with, hence <laughs> the flipping of the dial. But eventually I found a terrific station broadcasting from a black church and the preacher was amazing. His text that day was the raising of Lazarus and it was a sermon that I will never forget. He told us that it was very, very important that when, when Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb, he called him by name. He maintained that if Jesus had not done that, things could have gotten very wild and woolly because who knows who else might have come crawling out of that tomb. I mean, imagine. I assure you the preacher imagined it very well. So putting aside the fabulous opportunity for humor in his sermon, he was making an incredibly important point, and it was a lesson in specificity that I have held close forever after. When God calls you by name, God is calling you singular. Almost any other time God addresses you, it's plural, collective. And that distinction encompasses a world of difference in emphasis and meaning. Strangely enough, my second story, I heard a similar message in a note from my friend Larry recently, who was asked to write up something for his church's annual meeting, and he shared it with me. His piece included a very funny story about his experience as a young boy in church of you, singular, versus you, plural. My mind, he wrote, was filled with random thoughts and daydreams, and maybe too a little dread, when I heard the preacher clearly boom, and what is your purpose here today? Was it a guilty conscience or some other instinct that made me think he was directly addressing me? I snapped my head around and found myself looking dead into our preacher's eyes. Without missing a beat, he burst into laughter. My face burned as what seemed like a thousand other eyes turned to look at me, and he said in a soft, 
knowing way that only an older man who remembers being busted as a child can speak. Young man, I was using the royal you, the you that Jesus and the Father use when speaking with or to the people. Amen? If I'd been speaking directly to you, Larry, I would have used your name. Understand? I was relieved and just blurted out, yes, sir. I must have said it in a funny voice because I remember even my grandmother started laughing. So why did I tell you these two stories? Because they have a direct bearing on our gospel passage today. This text continues our journey through the Sermon of the Mount, the first great servant of Jesus's ministry. Mother Liz explored the Beatitudes with us beautifully last week. And when we hear those Beatitudes, it's very apparent in our translation that Jesus is talking to groups of people, not individuals. Blessed are the peacemakers, plural. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But when we get to the passage today, especially when it's been separated from the Beatitudes by a week, well, I can't speak for you, but far too often I make the same mistake young Larry did. When I hear you are the salt of the earth, I think about you, singular, each of us as individuals. That is a default that is bred into our American DNA. In this country where the individual is all, it's always about me, me, me. But when we go there, we lose the full impact of what Jesus is saying to us. We are the salt of the earth together as community. And it's in the strength of community that we find that is real. Being in community is what gives us our flavor. No one of us can be the salt on our own. We're all in this together. There's a famous cookbook that some of you must know, and it's called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. This title also came into my mind this week. Can you imagine a meal of just salt? Ugh. None of us would want to eat that meal. And yet just the tiniest bit of salt in a mixture changes everything. It's the blending of all the marriage of the elements that makes things extraordinary. And you need just that tiny pinch of salt to jumpstart the magic. So is that maybe why Jesus goes on to connect the salt with light? I started thinking of it not so much as light, but ignition. Is he referencing the spark of the divine that is within each of us? that which connects us to the one who created us, 
that spark that we share that comes from God's own self. When we think of these statements about salt and light as addressing us as individuals, it's all too easy to fall into touting and puffing up our own self-importance, forgetting how much our very existence depends on the kindness and labor of others. Mother Liz quoted a Maran Tiribasi poem in the newsletter that says, that's when we go from being light to being the halogen beams of an out-of-control truck. If we think of it as individuals, that's what happens. That's when we call ourselves good Christians and wear AR-15 pins on our lapels in the halls of Congress. But when we think of these statements instead as expressions of the reality of a life and community, then we have to acknowledge that we are not islands. We are not alone. Every one of us has that same salt and spark. Every aspect of our life depends on God's grace and the kindness of others. They depend on us, too. And that second way of understanding it circles us straight back to the Beatitudes, to God's vision of the kingdom of heaven. No one's hunger or thirst will be satisfied if we all choose to pretend that we live in isolation. There's always community that supports us, even if we refuse to recognize that this is so how clearly we have lived this over the past three years. Jesus' salt and light sayings are not lauding individualism. They are like the Beatitudes, recognizing, enhancing, and nurturing mutual responsibility. So what then about the second part of our passage, when Jesus addresses the law and the prophets. Here again, we hear Matthew's Jesus recognizing the power and necessity of community. In this case, community over space and time. Jesus is not, contrary to what many Christians might tell you, rejecting God's words in the Hebrew Bible. He's reinforcing them. He's not saying, yeah, that was okay, but I, Jesus, am doing it better. His ultimate aim is always to call people in, even if he has to call them out along the way. There's a rabbinic practice called putting a fence around the law, where a rabbi will help listeners understand a passage better by relating it to their time and place clarifying it for a new generation. It's a way of continuing to strengthen the existing foundation, making it ever more secure and strong. So the idea of fulfillment here is never one of substitution. It's more one of affirmation with emphasis. It has nothing to do with throwing out the old 
but strengthening what's already there. So how do these two sections go together? They tell us that the path to aliveness, the path to being in right relationship with God, the way to becoming a repairer of the breach, is first and foremost in community. That God's presence within us is the salt and light that guides our way. Being is community. Existence is relationship. There is no I without an us. I am because we are. This also tells us that God's promises to God's people, the ones that we heard in Isaiah today, continue to hold over time. God's faithfulness endures. God's desire is always to be in relationship, and that will be true. It was true before, it is still true now, and it evermore will remain true. So these are messages of faith and hope and love, the greatest of which is love. God's love for us, for all of creation. God's hope that we will cherish each other as God does. God's prayer that we will be the salt and the light. To which we say, Amen.